It had been seven years since I had last seen my cousin. And the events leading up to it are still a kind of a blur in my mind, but the last time I had seen my cousin, we were in the basement of my uncle's, and my cousin had stormed out of the room telling me to stay out of his life. Again, I'm not sure how it all transpired, but that's where we were. Again, I hadn't seen him for, for seven years. I, I don't even think my daughter, my youngest daughter, even really had ever met him. But last summer, sort of as COVID was waning, my family decided to have a family reunion. Everybody wanted to see each other. And so we met at what is a sacred space for my family, Ocean City, New Jersey. And uh, we all gathered, and I found out that my cousin was going to come, and I was really curious. I, I felt like I had buried the hatchet. I tried to reach out a few times, but we all know that, that reconciliation really takes both parties to be ready for it, and I wasn't quite sure how this would, would go down. But the, the salt water sort of, uh, and the waves of the ocean and the water of the ocean, like the waters of baptism, uh, covered us in grace, and we, we got along really well, and it, it was... Yes, awkward at times, but, but there was clearly a will on both parties to start anew. And at the end of our time together, he even uh, played a game. Uh, there was a big family game, and he actually helped sort of, you could say, my line of the family and gave a very nice goodbye. It was a beautiful scene of reconciliation in my family. Today we have a beautiful, powerful scene of reconciliation in Scripture as we are continuing, really kind of even wrapping up our journey with, with Joseph and his family. Years earlier, Joseph's brothers had sold him into slavery, and after many changes, transformations, trials, ups and downs, finally here we are at the end, and we see the brothers embracing each other reconciliation is good and wonderful it indeed it it is a a dwelling place of the lord a, a sacred ground when we finally are able to be reconciled and my hope is that for many of you as you hear this story today it recalls to mind times in your lives when there has been reconciliation in your family when you have found a way with with somebody in your life to to get that renewed start and you've had that joyous coming together my sense though is that for for many of you probably for all of us there's at least one person in our life if not more who we still have an estrangement from them there's still a, a fundamental brokenness in our relationship with them maybe it's a business partner or a co-worker Maybe it's somebody who we once considered a dear friend. Maybe it's a cousin or another family member. But there still, again, is this profound estrangement. And perhaps reading and hearing this story of Joseph and the reconciliation in his family makes you long, hunger for that reconciliation in your life. Christianity 101 is about learning how to forgive each other. But I think sort of the, the second class of Christianity is the realization that you can't microwave forgiveness. You can't sort of put a relationship in the microwave and a minute and 20 seconds later have reconciliation. Reconciliation and the real healing of hearts takes so much time. In the story of 
Joseph, it would be 22 years from the time his brother sold him into the slavery until the day in which he was reconciled. 22 years. If you recall back when we, when we reflected together on that story of, of Joseph being sold into slavery, I, I asked you at that point, if you were a grand police officer and had all the adjudicatory powers in the world, could you fix this situation? Could you send Joseph back to his family? And we all knew we couldn't. They weren't ready for that reconciliation. The, the people had to undergo a profound change of heart had to learn humility and empathy, had to forgive themselves, forgive others, see God at work in all of it. It was going to be a real journey, one in which, again, they all had to be transformed in order finally to be reconciled. So as we reflect on this story together today, again, if you find yourself in, in a relationship in life where you just have this longing, you feel like you've done the work, you've prayed for it, I, I want you to take heart and know that this is a, a story of hope, a story that reminds us that, yes, it does sometimes take time, but God is at work working transformation that leads finally to God's grace intervening in our lives and making a way forward, making a way forward for us finally to get back to that, that sacred ground, that holy dwelling place where reconciliation can happen and we can learn to live together again. But the story of Joseph as powerful of a story of family reconciliation that it is, I'd, I'd like to also offer that it's about more than just the reconciliation of estranged people in a family. I think it's also about people coming together. It's about reconciliation of whole people groups. Joseph is a Jew. And in fact, he's got Jewish points out the wazoo. He, he's the great-grandson of Abraham. His father had his name changed from Jacob to Israel, and his older brother is named Judah, right? You, you can't get more Jewish than Joseph. Joseph, though, for the main part of the story, is in Egypt. And Joseph is working at that point for a pharaoh, but not as a slave, He's working as Pharaoh's right-hand man, the administrator. In fact, Joseph's task is to steward all of the grain of Egypt so that Egyptian lives will be saved. Again, Joseph's task is to steward the grain of Egypt so that Egyptian and countless other people's lives will be saved. And although Joseph remains true to his God, he ends up marrying somebody a child, a daughter of a priest of one of the Egyptian gods. And at the end of Jacob's life, after Joseph has seen his father die, he actually has Joseph, again, talk about sort of, again, Jew of Jew, he has him mummified according to an Egyptian tradition. So here we have this archetypal Jew, the Jew of all Jews, who's working in Egypt to help save Egyptian lives, who married an Egyptian and buried his father as a mummy. What does that say about God's heart and God's desire that people would find a way to 
come together, that we would, again, across boundaries, whatever those may be, tribe, race, party, age, gender, whatever these boundaries are, that we could find a way to live and even work together for the common good. Now, it is only a few weeks before an election, which means if you're like me, you're being bombarded every day. Not even with Pennsylvania elections. I get advertisements on my Facebook feed for Georgia, for Wisconsin, for Iowa, and even Nevada, right? And I get told all why the opposing candidates are terrible, right? So we're just being saturated now every day with how bad the world is and how bad other people are. But even beyond that, this week I had that really painful painful conversation with one of my children as they began to ask me about nuclear weapons. I had to share with them the story of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the destructive powers, the capacity for genocide that we as humans have. And it was indeed a sobering conversation for us. Again, we, we live in a world where we are hungry for and, and need to, to relearn how to work together for the sake of our neighbors. And I, and I believe that we have this capacity as a congregation to do this. This Joseph series, we've been thinking about what it means for us as individuals, but also our life together here at St. Paul. And I want to offer that, again, I think our, our congregation could be one of many congregations, but, but I think we have a, a calling and a capacity to, to bring people together, to work for the common good. This last week, we had a, a seminar, a, a, a discussion about healthy communities. And there were about 40 or so people there that, that we had invited as, as church and uh, we were there to reflect together on what makes this a healthy community. And as we head into a planning process in this region, how do we want to keep ourselves a healthy community? In the past, the, this group that has been working on regional plans has had trouble bringing together a broad group of people. And so as a church, we're saying, hey, we think at St. Paul, we think we can, we think we can get people to come out. And so this Monday, in, in, this, in this session, both online and in person, there was a, an assistant superintendent. There were police officers from, from two different departments. There was our, our local state rep. There was the area's largest child care center. That's ours. Their director was there. There were multiple clergy there. There were directors of, of nonprofits like North Star Initiative and Love, Inc. that work on behalf of some of the most needy people in our community. There were people, again, of all ages, business owners, employees. And I know that in that room, I could have definitely, I could have definitely asked questions that would have just instantly raised the division, right? Raised the temperature and gotten us all hot and bothered. But this was a discussion in which we were finding that common ground, that we care about this community and that we want the best for it. So yeah, okay, there may be some disagreements, but we want to bring people together. Again, into that sacred space, that holy space, that sacred ground where we discover that we can work together. In a few weeks, we'll have our empty bowls again, a sacred ground where business and artists and the church are going to work together on behalf for the sake of hunger. 
Again, right back to the story of Joseph where Joseph worked with others to solve and deal with the problem of food insecurity and hunger. Again, we need this story of Joseph. We need this reminder that it is God's good pleasure that we can work together. Now, you might at this point say, Pastor, of course it's, it's good that, that we can work together. But just turn the pages in the Bible. You know what happens next. Well, what, what happens next is that there's a, another Pharaoh who arises, who ends up enslaving the Jewish, the Hebrew people. And that will bring great curse upon the land. And that Pharaoh's heart will be hardened against the will of God, against loving those in his care. And I would say, yes, this is also part of the human story, the hardness of our heart and our incapacity to work together. We, we can't guarantee sort of an eternity now with, with just us where, again, we all get along. When it comes to the judgment of the human heart, including yours and mine, the Bible is pretty clear. We come up short. We're lacking the love, the grace, the wisdom to work together, to live together in peace. As Christians, our witness is not somehow that the human heart is so wonderful. Rather, our witness is that there's a love. There's a love in this universe. There's a love in this life. There's a love in this world that comes to us. And it melts the glacier of resentment in our hearts. It builds bridges. It finds a way it finds a way to draw us back into the sacred space. And we as Christians confess that that's the reconciling love of God poured out for us. And so we can find a way that we're drawn back into that sacred space, that sacred ground before the cross in which we confess our own sins and we bring forth our own resentments and hurts. And we look up and we see somebody else in that space and we realize that I am forgiven and you are forgiven too. I am loved and you are loved by God. And then we discover that we have the most important thing in common and that with God's grace and love we can find a way to live together and even serve our Lord. Amen.